Today's topic is about addressing racism head on with heart and humor. Comedy and anti-racism don't usually go hand in hand, but this amazing advocate is an award-winning comedian who has brought her talent to the stage, the screen, and the podium to speak, inspire, and lead the path toward greater equity, diversity, and inclusion for many. When I first met Adora, we realized we both grew up in Calgary during the same time frame. At that time, Calgary was a much smaller city, and conversations about racism and bullying were few and far between. They were not the part of widespread conversations that they are today. And being the tallest and often only black person in class, Adora knew all too well what it feel, felt like to not be included. Today, Adora uses her unique identity, confidence, and humor as a tireless anti-racism advocate. She's president and co-founder of Black Lives Matter, YYC, and she's an actor, prolific host, fierce feminist, and a model. Adora is the real deal, and she's beautiful inside and out. Today, we're going to focus on how Adora's making an impact at the intersection of her work and life. Welcome to this podcast, Adora. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. So can you share with us, Adora, what's keeping you most engaged and passionate lately in your work and in your life? Well, what's keeping me most engaged is just people in general. I, I love people uh, most days. <laughs> Some days they change my mind for a moment. Uh, but my community keeps me engaged because there's always something going on. I would say that I don't necessarily lead my life with only positivity, mm -hmm. only hope. And I think that that's okay. I think that to know that sometimes there's going to be some downtime and lull means mm -hmm. that you're living in reality. So tell us how you found your niche, speaking of positivity, um, or at least coming across as positive. So comedy, so making people laugh, right, is obviously one of your many talents, Adora. Um, so how have you, how did you first of all get into comedy, and especially around the difficult topic of racism, and how you use it to not only entertain, but impact others? Yeah, so I got into comedy because my friend fooled me on the stage. That's, that is the honest truth. I have been using comedy my whole life to save myself, but <laughs> I didn't think I was funny. I just thought that I was being self-deprecating and people laughed. So, okay. Uh, and then I'm sarcastic. So those things go hand in hand in comedy. And my friends just wanted to learn more about comedy. And because I'm an anth geek, I was like, I get to learn about a new life way, another way of living in the world. And I brought my um, little notebook to take notes. And at this workshop, <clears throat> there was a lot of four letter words. So I was like, mm, I know all of those. I don't need to take any notes. And right after there was an open mic and I didn't know this when I was <laughs> registering. <laughs> and number one was Trent. Number three was Lori, and number seven is Adora, and nobody was Isadora there. So uh, I knew it was me, and I <laughs> don't let my opportunity pass me. Plus, I had been, you know, talking out loud to not necessarily an audience. 
for a long time. So I got on that stage. Uh, you have five minutes. They put on a little light. I missed the light. They turned the mic off at seven minutes and I was hooked. Awesome. <laughs> I was wow. addicted. I, I like, I didn't find a niche. I talk about myself and a lot of people in this city are upset <laughs> with what I talk about, but Calgary, if you don't like the story, got to give me a better story because <laughs> I'm just telling the things that I experience and sometimes I say them in a funny way. So I experienced a lot of racism. A lot of people were upset with my size or me being proud of myself or the way that I express myself in, with how I dress or my hair, whatever it may be. A lot of people were upset. And I was upset that any place I put myself, I found out that people were upset when I was just minding my business. So I gone on the stage and talked about that. <laughs> and... Uh, other people were having that experience and other people wanted to hear about it. And 11 years later, I am still here <laughs> interrupting. I like to call it um, distracting and dismantling. That's that's awesome. And I can't wait to see you on stage one day. Hopefully soon. soon. Who knows? Soon. But uh, yeah, I I think what you're doing is tremendous and you wear so many hats in your career and I'm sure every day is different. I'm sure every hour is different in your life. Am I right? It can be for sure. <laughs> can you describe the days that you love most either in your work or your volunteer life? Like what are the days that you love most, Adora? The days I love most are the days that I'm probably pushed to my limits. <laughs> so that can mean a lot of different things uh, in comedy it's probably the day that I'm going to get up on stage in a new place uh, with a new crowd and then they love me. They follow me right along on uh, the Adora experience and they're open to hear what I have to say and to why I think it's funny or to why they should think it's funny and how they can practice some anti-racism because for mm -hmm. sure it's a glow up I'm an old lady so <laughs> here it is but the days that push me to my limits and I can see somebody also benefit from being pushed to their limits and when I say push their limits I just mean they're not in their comfort zone so it sounds like you influence and you impact a lot of different people I can. Some people I have no clue I'm doing it. Uh, and yeah. sometimes I definitely know and I hold that as an honor and it's a responsibility. Absolutely. And growing up in the 80s <laughs> da, 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 and the early 90s, like myself, we both graduated in 93. <laughs> and you called yourself an old lady. Yeah. Not, I don't know if I want to be called an old lady. So, Just, And that's why that. it's for me. Yeah. <laughs> Can you describe um, to me uh, what you think has changed for the better or worse since then in, in our city? Ooh, Calgary. Listen, I say that I'm an old lady because hashtag old is a privilege because I didn't know that I was going to make it this long. I didn't. I, I Yeah, I didn't think I was going to be 45 years old. Really? Oh, I've been in so many dangerous situations uh my health has been up and down i i could have i could have taken my own life okay and somebody pulled me back 
I am glad you are still here. <laughs> so am I. So uh, I would say what is going on in our city? and our world. Let's in just say world. like Canada, for instance. Well, I want to talk about Calgary. Okay. Uh, because I feel like Calgary loves to give itself a pat on the back. And for some things, yeah, it should have a pat on the back. I think that the way that we set up our city has improved. I think that the way that we view small business has improved. Uh, I think that racism has not improved. No. No. I think that the racism I was experiencing when I was young has just gotten quiet and polite and nice, which means that it doesn't care about me. And it just wants to be comfortable. So a lot of the people that I went to school with are still here that are white. Uh, and they don't contact me. And if they do contact me, it's usually to apologize or to demand something of me. Uh, and when they demand something of me, I'm very happy to be like, I have all the same rights you do. And you know that I know. So don't do that. Uh, and when they apologize, sometimes I forgive them, <laughs> uh, but they're not really ready to do the work. And mm -hmm. Calgary, you get a failing grade for wanting to do the work of anti-racism because mm -hmm. it only makes everything better. I feel like the biggest places in the world, the most important, impactful places that we have on this earth are places where they are open to and accepting of so many different things. Mm -hmm. You know, New York, let's start right there. Mm -hmm. Everybody goes to New York, not everybody loves it, but everybody can find something there. Mm -hmm. And that city will never die because mm -hmm. it's continually growing and evolving and doing the work. And I know a lot of New York folks are upset because of gentrification and whatnot, but I think that our world in general is understanding that it cannot continue with only one view. Mm -hmm. That one view has done some great things. It has done horrific things. Mm -hmm. But I feel like let's bring more voices. Let's bring more stuff. I don't know everything. If we can get more folks in here uh, and respect them and accept them, not tolerate, mm -hmm. uh, then we keep, the world can have a glow up. Yeah, tolerate's not a good word choice, is it? No. I think that's probably what we used in the 80s. 100% <laughs> it was tolerate, and I was yeah. on a rampage. I will not be tolerated. And people were mad at me, and I was like, no, nah, don't use that word for me. It means that you think I'm bad, and you're just not going to do anything. No, no, no. Accept me or get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> well... So much to be done, obviously. Mm. And speaking of that, thank you for what you're doing as co-founder and president of Black Lives Matter YYC. Thank you. So I am very interested to learn what you're most proud of so far with Black Lives Matter YYC and what else needs to be done and how we can help, me and others. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I would say I'm most proud of Black Lives Matter YYC for just continuing for continuing to exist we weren't registered it's been going on a long time sometimes I've been involved sometimes I haven't but 
<laughs> this work is a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. And the people that I get to work with are working on themselves and doing their absolute best. And I truly think that that is more important than having some quantifiable goal that we check something off on a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like very often when we make these check marks, the things that organizations are doing, they're good at it. And sometimes they don't evolve, which doesn't mean you should stop doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, it does mean that there are many ways to make impact. And I think uh, black people working on themselves so that they can help other people in the community is a great thing to be doing when we have so many organizations that are able to check off specific things. You know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Uh, and I think a lot of uh, grassroots are doing that sort of work and our world is not really valuing it as they should. Um, what can you do to help? What can our communities mm -hmm. do to help? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing I would say is educate yourself. I know that people keep hearing this, but it is so true because uh, this journey that we're on, it, it has many layers and it has been going on a long time and people have been denying it a long time. They're dedicated to denying it. Mm -hmm. So we need to find the places that they are fooling us and interrupt them, agitate them, uh, educate yourself on how you can be the best, I'd like to say accomplice, you can be, and I say accomplice because first of all, that means you know you're going down. <laughs> you're going down with me. If something goes on, you gotta go down or else we can't change it. Because if people with privilege are not using their privilege to show, hey, this is why this is wrong, then we're never gonna change anything. So I need society en masse <laughs> to get it together and change your attitude around anti-blackness. Uh, because all oppressions are founded in anti-blackness and it's really just a lazy way to create a hierarchy so people can benefit off of other people's labor, um, ideas, uh, and just existence. And that that's a lot of money. <laughs> and our, our world wants to be capitalistic, so we, that hierarchy to continue capitalism and I refuse to do that even though I like nice stuff um, not only nice things are valuable mm -hmm. you know like I can't have we, we can't have vegetables if we don't have dirt if we don't have cow dung right and lots of people don't value cow dung on the hierarchy of nice things. Mm -hmm. But you can't get to that top of that hierarchy without having that cow poo poo. <laughs> so for me, <laughs> I don't need that hierarchy. I need uh, value amongst people en masse. So that means, whew, long answer. That means that I need society to, while they're changing their perceptions, their ideas and their practices, one of the practices I need them to change is follow black people, accept their leadership and accept that we will fail because everybody else has. 
<laughs> Everybody else who has been leading has failed. Uh, and let's be honest, white folks have been leading a really long time and failing a long time. And let's let somebody else get a try. Um, maybe the people who have been watching the failures have different ideas, different theories and different practices that can help us. So, uh, and when you are following those black people, those marginalized people in general, melanated, racialized, disabled, sex workers, et cetera, et cetera, uh, support them, truly support them with money, with emotional energy, with kindness, and without uh, judgment that leads to them feeling like they can't accomplish this. Um, what I've been learning through the creative process is that, oh, and being a mother <laughs> uh, and running an organization is that it does not matter how well you plan. That plan can go sideways at any moment. Mm -hmm. And failure is part of growth. You, you have to have it. They are hand in hand. Isn't that well put? Everything you're saying is resonating with me, including the, the fact that we need changes in leadership, new ideas, new perspectives. And I think people who have been through great adversity, great trauma, marginalization, often um, have the greatest empathy, uh, the greatest awareness, yeah. right? Yeah. And all these ideas that we hadn't thought of before. Moving forward, um, if we could change one thing about society to further combat racism... What would it be? Yeah, it would be anti-blackness. It would be anti-blackness. And I say anti-blackness because every time we think about something that is negative, it is associated to black or black people or how black people are being used to push down a narrative. So, for instance, Canada has decided that cannabis is good now, right? Uh, that is a legacy industry. Mm -hmm. So when I say legacy, I mean a whole bunch of people who were doing it before Canada decided that it was legal. So it was not harmful. It was not doing it. Canada has decided it's now appropriate. Uh, but previously, when it was black and brown people who were doing this and benefiting from it, and the government couldn't find a way to also benefit from it, it was bad. That's anti-blackness at work. Black people and brown people were healing themselves. They didn't have to go to a doctor. So they couldn't be monitored. That's anti-blackness at work. So to take away this medicine from communities that have traditionally used it for thousands and thousands of years, what are you doing to them? Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So to now be criminalizing that centuries well let's call it decades mm -hmm. but criminalizing it for a long time and then putting those people in jail that means that they're not getting their medicine they're not making any money their communities are struggling their families are struggling they're going to jail they cannot pay to come out of jail to clear their name and now that it is legal Canada is still not expunging <laughs> these um charges so that's that's this and i say anti-blackness but people really don't know how to apply that information and i can't do that in a three second clip on the news and they know that 
And lots of people don't want to have the conversation because it's uncomfortable because they don't want some chick with blue hair who shows up with her boobs out (laughs) telling them this kind of information. It's just a way to silence me. I won't be silent. Uh, That's a privilege that I have worked on that skill a long time. I've worked on people telling me, no, you're awful a long, long, long time. Uh, in my family, I'm known as Adora doesn't listen. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's how I, I went and I got all the information. I, I went to go study anthropology because I was like, this doesn't make sense. So for me, Canada, <laughs> expunge those charges, all of those crimes, uh, and then ensure that People who have been in that have the first opportunity uh, to benefit from this industry, this cannabis economy that we have now. And women. Women are the people who were planting, who were doing the gardening and not necessarily getting the money. And as it stands right now, uh, big CEOs and police officers are the people who are benefiting off of this. And those are the people who criminalized us. So, yes. Yeah, it's quite the pendulum. Get rid of anti-blackness and just like (laughs) love love accept what you don't know because you're not unsafe because you don't know it what oppression has taught us is that if you don't know you will be punished so for instance a black person like myself who doesn't know who goes into a situation i could die a white person like yourself who goes into a situation who doesn't know you're fine but then we're now mocked right if you if you do make it or if i do make it we're mocked we people do not accept that you don't know and you're still valuable you're only valuable if you do know oh oh gross 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 uh because you might know something else and if you don't know you have the opportunity to know so i mean that's what we should be celebrating uh so Ooh, so so much stuff. So work-life wellness. That's a topic we use to talk about being well in your work, whatever that may look like, mm-hmm. and well in your life rather than balance. Right. I like the term wellness. Mm. Um, what does work-life wellness look like for you personally, Adora? Yeah, it means I say no and then I'm not guilty. Okay. That's really what it means. Uh, if my kids cannot uh, thrive, or survive in whatever it is that we're doing and surviving and thriving are look like different things. So survival uh, right now means that they're 13 and you got to feed yourself. See you later. You're going to be okay. Thriving would be that they could come here and I could make sure that they were doing what. So some days it's got to be survival because they're at that stage that they can manage that. Uh, The days that they're thriving, we also take advantage of that. My comedy career has suffered because I won't necessarily take my kids on the road because I don't know if there's somebody there to take care of them. If there's somebody who's Mm -hmm. there to watch and make sure and they're 13 now, I've been doing comedy 11 years. (laughs) So uh, a lot of people will say I'm not really a comedian because I have not been on the road, but that like them's the breaks. Mm -hmm. I brought some people here and they are more important than any laugh. Uh, They are the reason... I do laughter at all uh, because I love my children more than words can say. 
And they they know that because some of the words that I say <laughs> are <laughs> the plan was zero kids. Uh, so <laughs> that I mean, that threw off all the career things that I wanted to do in my life. But I think that motherhood is also a career and that people don't value that. Uh, all the people who are out here creating stuff, someone parented them at some point in time. Oh, gosh, yeah. And it was a community. It was a pit, you know? Right. And uh, it's hard work. It's work. Truly, it's work. Truly, truly hard work. So I have always thought, if I can't do this, then I won't. And if I have to pay the price for that, then it's worth it. Uh, I might be upset about it, but, I mean, I get to be this person, so... Exactly. So what's been your greatest challenge with your work-life wellness? Um, and how have you overcome the challenge? Yeah, single parenting okay. and co-parenting. <laughs> oh, a co-parent sometimes is not the best thing. Uh, but I've only been a single parent. I've never been married. I've never lived with a man for an extended amount of time. I've had boyfriends who just wouldn't go home for a year. And every week I was like, can you go play with your friends? Can you go sleep at your house? Uh, but that's the person that I am, and it has also been a benefit. But my health, uh, at 19, before I was <laughs> consenting to intimacy, I had a cyst blow up, a burst, excuse me, in my uterus that was the size of a grapefruit. And I had laparoscopic surgery, and I was told maybe it's endometriosis endometriosis but you're too young for that and I was like okay so then what next I am 45 years old and I still haven't heard what next and I have been to um, specialists and I've changed doctors and I've also I've had another cyst burst and oh yeah I they told me I was never gonna get pregnant but all my kids are birth control babies I've had run the gamut I've had all the things but last year 2020, that was my year. March 2nd, I had a hysterectomy, and it changed my whole life. For the better. For the incredible okay. better. <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah. 2020 was a much better year for you. Oh, I mean, it was horrific for so many things, but for my health, all the way up. Okay. Um, and like that changed everything. I'm also a depressed person. I'm also an anxious person. I also have CPTSD. I've been hit by a car. I was hit by a car 10 years ago, April 25th, 2021. It will be 10 years. And so I was living with constant pain. Uh, I had soft tissue damage from my neck to my ankle. I had a brain injury. They wouldn't listen to me. They kept saying, oh, well, you're functional, so you're fine. And I was like, I'm brilliant. This is not fine. This is horrific. This I can't I can't do anything. So no. And my my kids had to live through that. It didn't matter how many times I said, this is not okay. This it took eighteen months for me to get an MRI and I fell I got hit by a car and fell on my face and there is nothing here. Like, excuse me, it was like all white. Like all this is almost to the bone. My neck <laughs> Yeah. Oh my and and now I'm on the other side. That's good. the good part. That's here. Hi, here I am. <laughs> Virtual high five. <laughs> That's and awesome. I have my health and I'm getting back into working out. If anybody knows where I can get some roller skates, please. There's a shortage. Okay. 
I will keep this in mind. What would you do if you didn't need to sleep and could use that extra time to do whatever else you wanted? What would you do? I would relax. Okay. I would probably sleep. I like all this, all this. I love sleep. I love sleeping. It's one of my favorite things to do. I got a king size bed in 2019. That also changed my health. <laughs> I love to sleep. I love to be in my bed. I do much so, so much work from my bed. Uh, I don't think we should erase sleep. I think that it is productive. Yeah, so I would probably do more resting. Uh, dancing, swimming, traveling, uh, orgasms. Like, those are the things that I would do, things that people don't necessarily believe are productive, but, like, uh, life is the gift. Mm -hmm. So... Why shouldn't I enjoy some more of life? Why, why, sh why, why isn't rest productive? Because that's what creates all the creativity, you know, like when you're happy and when you're joyous, that's what creates the good stuff. So why am I trying to create when I haven't slept for a month? Nope. No, 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 no. I agree. Sleep is so critical. So if you could have a wish for a better world when it comes to work and life, what would your wish be? Oh, I wish that we valued things that weren't on the quantifiable hierarchy of our society. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that like poop and food <laughs> example again. I want people to do what feeds their soul. Mm -hmm. You know, their self-expression without harming people. Uh... I think that if we could value those things, there were, we would have people on the moon already because living on the moon, uh, if that's okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> As just a hypothetical, because people who are really passionate about that don't always get to do that. And we like pigeonhole people into these jobs because it makes money so that they can eat and meet their basic needs. But why aren't we just allowing people to have their basic needs and then people aren't lazy humanity is not lazy that is not a thing people want to create they want to express themselves they want to make an impact they want to change and sometimes it's only for one person and that's all they gotta do and sometimes it's just for them and that's all they gotta do and sometimes it's going to be for billions of people and why can't we let our world function like that i know that it seems idealistic but i'm brilliant and it can happen I love it. Now, you have a show on creativity. Living a creative life. Tell us how we can watch it. Ooh, you can watch it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's at Living a Creative Life on YouTube. Okay. Or uh, you can look up things like with the hashtag YYCLCL. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, thank you, Kata. <laughs> uh, thank you to my production team, Bamboo Shoots. Uh, I love it there. It's such a great, great show. Um, I've had so many eye-opening moments and I get to meet so many great people being creative. Like, truly, this idea that I have in my head, just people expressing themselves and doing what they love, that's what I get to do on camera, on a show. And I hope that it's, like, worldwide and we can change the world with it. We are going to share that, for sure, and I'm going to tune into it. And Black Lives Matter YYC, how can we here in Calgary, best support and follow your initiatives there. Yeah. So 
We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. So there's a Black Lives Matter YYC page. You're going to have to shuffle through a few of them because there are many. But you will see our logo. And it says Black Lives Matter in a circle. And then it has <clears throat> a picture inside. And <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to see the picture. Um, <laughs> and we're also on Instagram at official BLM YYC. We have a website. Uh, Black Lives Matter, Calgary.com. And tr- like, you can find me, Adora Wolfor, <laughs> really anywhere. <laughs> I should spell it because people will not be able to spell all of that. We will make sure to spell it along with this episode. And thank you for being here. I mean, we've covered a lot of territory and definitely you have so much to contribute to the world and really creative and expressive ways of messaging it, which I think really can impact people and start discussions and sometimes not easy discussions and sometimes difficult ones, but at least it's starting important discussions. Right. Uh, And I always push that little extra amounts because hashtag Adora ruined it again for people to like go beyond that conversation and start a practice and sometimes you're going to make a mistake and it's okay you're going to be okay tomorrow you get up and try again just like everybody else thank you for being who you are thank you for having me thank you for allowing me space and voice and it has certainly been a pleasure awesome take care Adora Thank you so much for joining us today on Where Work Meets Life. I'm passionate about sharing insights from experts around the world on topics at the intersection of where work meets life. If you found this podcast useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. For more articles, information, and tips, sign up for my monthly newsletter at my website, drlaura.live. This podcast summary contains links to the psychology practice I founded, Work Evolution, Canada Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology, as well as my current employer, Humans, a nationwide organizational psychology firm focusing on culture and performance. Stay well.